Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Derek, Ken, myself, Mike. And we are being joined by a, another Star Wars actor from the prequel trilogy. We have Bonnie Peace on with us tonight. How's everyone doing? Hi. <laughs> Fantastic. Good. So um, before we hit the Star Wars stuff, you've got a new music project coming out. I do. You know, I've been actually been working on it for three years, I want to say, producing my own stuff. Um, I always had producers in the past, but this is me learning how everything works. Um, and it's just kind of coming into fruition now, and I, I feel like I'm going to be ready to release something, I'm hoping, by the end of the year. Okay. So um, what type of genre, uh, styling? Yeah, so I've always had trouble saying what genre it is, but I've actually spent a lot more time recently on that. And I've come up with it's like an ethereal indie folk. Oh. I think that kind of describes it. Awesome. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, you know, a lot of acoustic sounds still, but there's more um, synthy stuff as well as lots of ethereal soaring vocals, you know, got a little oh, Enya flavor in there. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh, nice. We, 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 need, yeah. we need to now figure out how to get you on the main stage at Epcot for for a week. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. So th that would be cool. Yeah, totally. So, since since you are a, a legacy in the Star Wars franchise which is now owned by Disney. Right. So yep. be a great fit. Um, yeah, absolutely. So with the music, how did you get started with music? Uh, how did you decide to, to, to start making albums? Yeah, so um, around the same time that I actually started acting in Australia, I started um, writing music as well. So I picked up a guitar and I started just seeing what I could come up with. Um, I've been musical my whole life, but it didn't really get formal until then. And ever since I've been writing songs, I you know, I did the whole record deal thing in LA. And I actually made a full length album and then the, the market crashed in 2008 and the the deal kind of just wasn't the best fit in the end. So the album never came out, which uh -huh. was, you know, it's a sad story, but that happens to a lot of musicians. So it's really very common. Um, and after that, I went indie. So I released my indie Indiegogo funded EP in 2013, I think it was. And then I've done a bunch of uh, film soundtracks and things like that, too, uh -huh. since then. Awesome. So been indie since then. So which was more uh, stressful, doing your own album or doing the your one or two pieces for uh, for soundtracks? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say either was very stressful. Like I, I love it so much. Um, the Indiegogo campaign was a little stressful just as campaigns are, cause you, you hit launch and you're like, uh Oh, is anyone going <laughs> to donate? <laughs> anyone going to support me here? Um, but it turned out really well. So I guess there was a little more stress in that. Um, but yeah, the film soundtrack stuff, I just love it. it. It's such a natural place for me to be that's, you know, mixing film and, and music together. Okay. So you, you said sometime within the next year, uh, hopefully the, the new album's going to drop. Yeah. So it's probably going to be an EP. So I'm thinking four okay. songs. Um, and I, I really want to get it in before the end of 2018. That's the plan. Oh, that'd be awesome. So <laughs> if everything goes to plan, that, that'll happen probably, you know, around Christ Christmas time, right before the end of the year, probably. Well, definitely keep us posted. Maybe sooner, actually. But keep us we'll posted see. on that. We'll, we'll definitely push it through through our Twitter and, and Facebook. Awesome. Thank you. So, hey. um, 
But of course, this is Wookiee Radio. Um, I, which, I know. We better talk which, about Wookiees and such. Um, <laughs> how, how did you get started? Well, I guess let's backtrack a, a hair and build up to how did you get started in, into acting? Yeah. So I was a springboard diver in Australia and um, a friend from diving had an acting agent and she said, hey, you know, it's really fun. I go in for auditions. Why don't you come and meet them? So I was like, that would be fun. So I went in, I met the agent. Um, they took me on and then I started auditioning and I did a number of Australian TV shows. And then um Star Wars came around when I was 16 years old and actually I'd heard that they were shooting in Sydney and you know it was always a big thing in Australia when there was a big Hollywood movie shooting at that time because it was a big deal and I kind of had it in my mind I was like oh that yeah let's let's see if I can get into that (laughs) but of course you couldn't really go knocking on the door of Lucasfilm and they came to me they they somehow hunted me down and I just was really lucky that my face looked enough like the older Baru and they wanted to see me. I even totally messed up the audition. Like I was, <laughs> I was pretty nervous and like they had me reading the older Baru's lines and I was just fumbling them. I was like, ah, you know, just, <laughs> I'm auditioning for Star Wars. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but she didn't mind Robin Gorland, the casting director. She was like, don't even worry. She's like, you're great. You know, however, just be yourself and um and then they called me two weeks later saying you got it you're going to Tunisia with Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen and I mean you know it was one of those moments where you're, right. you're jumping oh, yeah. <laughs> now before you got cast were you a Star Wars fan I wasn't and sometimes I get booed at conventions for that um <laughs> I, I, oh, I, just, yeah. I hadn't been involved in the world um so when i got the audition actually i quickly started watching them all and very soon i was enthralled in the world and really since then i've become more and more of a fan and there are so many things about the star wars universe that i really resonate with now and i love that's that's what really matters yes so i've become a fan i wasn't beforehand but i was welcomed into the star wars universe in a really great way Awesome. (laughs) That's really good to hear, too. So you got cast. You you fly out to Tunisia. You discover it's hot. Um, What what was like your first day on set like? So actually, they they flew me to Sydney. um, I think it was a couple of times or maybe it was one time before Tunisia. So my first day was on set in Sydney and they'd made this whole set for the Lars Homestead. And I remember like they'd had doing press all morning as well. So I was like, oh my goodness, like this is a whole thing. And then they, you know, put me through hair and makeup. And I remember looking in the mirror and I looked like I was in Star Wars. I was like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) this is crazy. And then I walked on set and George came over and he gave me a big hug. You know, he put his arm around me. He's like, you know, make yourself at home. We just want you to feel comfortable. And my scene was with Natalie Portman. And it's a scene that has not been released yet. At least, well, actually, some fans told me they had seen it somewhere, but I have never seen it. Um, so uh, it was me and her character in the Lars homestead, just like, you know, so messing now, around in the kitchen. So now I need to double check the, the Blu-ray set. I, I know, but I, I feel like I would have seen it if it is out there or someone, I, I feel like I would have seen some evidence, but Hey, if you find it, please tell me. Cause I definitely want a copy. Will do. So the challenge is well, on searching. Yeah. <laughs> the challenge is on for our Wookiee radio listeners. Find the scene with, with Bonnie and Natalie. Please. Good luck with that. <laughs> but yeah so after that i went to um to tunisia obviously and that was just such a fun time because we were all traveling together so it was much more of a kind of closer knit feel in sydney there were it was just such a huge crew that you couldn't possibly get to know everyone in a short time but in tunisia it was a smaller crew you know you go out to dinner together you go hang hang out by the swimming pool at the hotel and that was really something that's cool yeah. So, so you were you were still pretty young when you when you did Star Wars, and and uh, you hadn't so you hadn't had a whole lot of uh, training in acting, or no? I mean, like I'd done bits and pieces of of classes, um, but my training had come from a TV show, really, that I was on before that. So I had six months 
full time on a TV show. That was my crash course learning. And, um, you know, definitely there was a lot to learn. Um, but wow, what a way to learn it, to actually be on set and just oh, yeah. figure it all out. And, you know, because there's a lot to it, obviously, having to stand in the right place and know the angles of the lighting and which way you have to walk and to, you know, all of that. So it kind of it gave me a really great education. So by the time I got to Star Wars, I was pretty comfortable on set. Did, did you get the typical George Lucas faster, more intense? I think I did. I can't exactly remember the <laughs> words, but yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the, the direction probably worked as well. Um, I think the scene worked out well. I think I'd love to see it. <laughs> so that must have been pretty crazy for you, though, actually getting doing Star Wars uh, at such a point in your life. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Yeah, I mean, I do I do kind of see it as like beginner's luck in a way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I had just started, and I know that like the acting community, because I've actually never really pursued acting here in LA. I've done more music, but I've got a lot of friends who have been really hardcore pursuing acting for years, and it's no joke. It's a whole thing, and you know, you have to pay mm-hmm. your dues, and it's not that often that you get like a quick break like that. So now I understand that, and I can look back and be really grateful. At the time, I certainly didn't understand that. You know, I knew I was lucky, but, um, you know, when you're a beginner like that, you're like, right, this is the way it works. <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, after being cast as Aunt Baru, well, young Baru at the time, because she hasn't become Aunt Baru yet, um, did you did you realize um, just how how much depth you were going to be getting into with the universe um, or, or not depth. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, no, I mean, I don't think I could have. Right. Like people definitely told me like when I was, went to my first convention, which was Celebration 2 in Indianapolis, that was my first kind of moment of right. That's what this is, because <laughs> Joel Edgerton and I were walking down the street and I hear someone say, it's Owen, it's Peru. And then we kind of got chased by a clan of stormtroopers, you know, <laughs> very friendly, of course. But but that made me see that. Oh, OK, right. <laughs> this is a whole this is a whole universe. And then um, over the years, just going to conventions and, and really getting to talk to the people and see what it is. I think I've been able to wrap my head around it. But in the beginning, it was more just people saying to me, you do realize what this means, right? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> see, not really. <laughs> right. You don't really get it until you meet lots and lots of Star Wars fans and you see how it's affected their life. And then, you know, it, it does constantly open doors for me. And it's one of those things that's just like a gift in life that now I carry with me, you know, what a, what That's an amazing good. opportunity. Hearing the story about the stormtroopers makes me go, makes me wonder, did you see premonitions of your future that, <laughs> that plays out in, in episode four? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's a sad story. <laughs> So um, when you got to Sydney and you were, do, you were working with um, Natalie Portman, how long, um, when did you actually meet Joel Edgerton? Because most of your stuff is done with him. Yeah, um, I actually met him on that first day in Sydney. So we weren't working together then, but they had us They had us meet. Um, and he was very friendly right from the start. He was like, yay, hi, you know, welcome. And he really took me under his wing. And oh, especially good. when we were traveling, he kind of became like a big brother and was really taking care of me and invited me to go and hang out with them in London afterwards. And, you know, so, yeah. And so I obviously spent a lot of time with him in Tunisia too. Yeah. <laughs> now the traveling for star Wars, like to London to, um, to Tunisia and stuff, was that really your first introduction to really traveling around the world and doing things or had you already done some of that before? No. So I, I was already a world traveler by that point. Oh, okay. Um, you know, us Aussies, we tend to be, and, um, I did, <laughs> You know, I grew up going to Bali mostly, Indonesia, and then when I was 15, so pretty much right before I started acting and and I had started music just by then, I decided to go and do a student exchange to Austria, to oh, wow. uh, to Tyrol, Innsbruck. So I spent three months there and I learned German. I didn't get to learn the dialect of that specific area. It was just too much for me, but I learned like um, regular German and I traveled around Germany too. So yeah, I'd already been traveling and, and loving it. And I, I feel like I'd traveled to other places too. Yeah. Aussies, we really get on planes and go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did look up the, um, something that's a little outside of Star Wars. I saw one of your first roles. You actually had to learn trapeze work. Yes. So that was the, the show that I was on for six 
six months. And that was so fun. They had us, I think we, we did like a month of training beforehand where they had really great circus trainers basically teach us how to do trapeze and the Spanish web. Um, so I'd like climb up this web, they call it, and they like spin you around. Um, oh, cool. Hmm. So that was amazing. Uh, and I, I do think that in a way I probably got that role because of my background as a springboard diver as well because I was kind of gymnastic. So they wanted people who, who had that history because they, they did have me doing a lot of the stuff in the scenes. Like I had a stunt double for the harder stuff, um, but I did a lot of the stuff myself. That was really fun. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah, and you I'd didn't like run else like that again. That was really cool. And you didn't run away and join the circus after that? No, that was my circus. <laughs> I ran away from school to join that circus. <laughs> or it could be looked at. She left that to go star in the Star Wars circus. That, as, yeah, as crazy as that turned too. It is, it is a bit of a circus in a way, I guess. <laughs> so what were, what were some of your... Uh, Attack of the Clones. What were some of your favorite moments with... Attack of the Clones. I mean, I think that first moment of seeing myself in costume, that was that was one moment. Um, and then when we were shooting in Tunisia, um, Anthony Daniels kind of wanted to walk around set with me and go to like all the behind the scenes. And we, we'd just go and find like little leftover aliens. I don't even know what they were for, just hanging out behind <laughs> the scenes. And we kind of walked around and explored. That was really, really fun. And we took a few photos of us behind the scenes too, which that I can't. That is awesome. I, I keep in the vault, obviously, but, you know, he and I kind of posing at different Star Wars sets, like cafe tables with little aliens and things like that. <laughs> that was really fun. So so having um, one of the originals on set with you, with Anthony Daniels, what were some of the stories he told about the locations you, you, were, you were at? Because I'm assuming you used some of the same, same set locations from yeah. the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, it was, that was pretty amazing having him there just being able to share like yes you know when we were here and it was you know just the same I think he pretty much was saying a lot of it was exactly how it was back then and obviously they restored some of the sets I think so mm. for him to to be back there filming in that way that was pretty special and to be a part of that while he was experiencing that that was pretty amazing but yeah, sure, it, just, yeah. it helps to it helps to show you that you're in Star Wars and I just remember you know looking out at the set of the amazing view across the Sahara and you've got like the moisture evaporators and George Lucas walks out and he's like let's do one more you know like it's a <laughs> so, so really what a scene what was one of your favorite stories that Anthony told about the the Lars homestead uh, from episode four? Oh, interesting um I don't remember any specifics now um of, of stories I just remember he spoke really fondly of it like he, he may have said something like, oh, yeah, no, I remember this and that and da, da, da. But, you know, it's a long time ago now, too. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was in 99? No, 2000. Yeah. yeah, it's easy to forget how long ago it was now. Crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how much um we know a lot of your uh, your a lot of your scenes were filmed in tunisia but how much actual green screen or blue screen work did you actually get done so we know most of uh, i mean what like 70 or 80 percent of episode two was filmed on a green screen set yeah and none of mine was for episode two mine was completely on um on sets so built in the Lars the Lars homestead obviously <clears throat> in sydney and then everything was just on location so for episode three that was green screen and that was just the one scene where Obi-Wan brings baby Luke um, to Tatooine. Oh, so, so that, that was actually green screened. That was green screen. Okay. Yeah. I and heard that, that was... was the one scene that they had actually filmed on location for that movie. They okay, so they, they actually did film something when we were there and they didn't use that. I guess they scrapped it and they started again. Um, I think they filmed something where Obi-Wan gave baby Luke to Owen when we were there. And so they changed that um, for episode three and they had Obi-Wan hand Luke to me and then I walked out to see Owen. And um, Joel wasn't there either. He was, I think he was shooting a film in Ireland when we filmed that scene. So they put him in after. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so they had a stand in and you know, a fake baby and, but Ewan was there. So I got to work with him. Oh, I had no idea. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Movie magic. I know. It, no, that really was. And that was where, <laughs> you know, um, George said something like, 
okay, so look out, look out there, which was, you know, green screen and sets and things. He's like, and see that broomstick? That's the amazing sunset. He's like, just look out there. Amazing sunset. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience of green screen. That's not too bad. Oh, I'm sure, no, I'm sure not at all. I mean, I know some people had months and months of green screen, right? Yeah. And you hear, sometimes you hear how difficult it can be to, to do green screen work or especially yeah. if, like when most of it's all green screen. <laughs> screen around you mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of imagination and, and make-believe which I guess in a way that's what actors do and especially if they have any background in theater you know it's all make-believe anyway but it definitely True. I'm sure makes it harder yeah because when you're in a real place where you're responding to real people and real things it's definitely a lot easier as an actor so you, you said your first uh, convention that you did as a Star Wars performer was Celebration 2. Yeah. Were you guys there for that? Was not. My first one, uh, I've been to three. Uh, my first one was Celebration 5 here in Orlando. Yep. I was yep. at I was at 5, 6, and then last year. Okay. Uh, yeah. the, the three here in Orlando, which is where I live. Yeah. Um, but I want to say, didn't you come to Star Wars Weekends? Yes. Once? Yes, I did. That was so fun. That was great. <laughs> so, I didn't know what to expect, but that was cool. Because I, I want to say I might have seen you backstage at, at Star Wars Weekends. Uh, yeah. I, I work for the mouse. I, I work for Walt Disney oh, World. Oh, nice. Okay, so. cool. I, well, I can see your video now, and you do look a little familiar, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we did meet there. Yeah, I know most of the Star Wars Weekends, I, I was already over at Epcot, um, but I did go backstage because i can um because yeah. i was popping through and i know i have seen you in passing especially during parade prep for the stars and motor yeah. cars parade yeah wow that was a whole thing yeah I've, I've never never had an experience like that they yeah they drove if anyone wasn't there they drove the actors through on these cars which were kind of like floats where they had they had my name across the car and everything and then they've got all the star wars fans lined up and you're kind of waving at them yeah that was that was quite an experience so when when did you realize um, during celebration that you were at a new status level uh, culturally? Um, you mean like just get understanding what I was a part of? Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much as soon as I arrived at celebration too, and I saw all the fans, and then I guess being in the autograph booth because I didn't even understand really what I was going to like. <laughs> I knew that I would be signing some autographs, but I didn't I didn't know that there were like autograph booths and people line up and everything. So when I saw that and that people actually wanted my autograph, that was surprising, you know. <laughs> oh, right. I'm in this thing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so attending celebration for your first time, was there anyone you got starstruck with? Um I'm thinking, I mean, meeting the older actors for sure. Like, I think Kenny Baker was there at that time. And that was the first time I met him. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And so so getting to see the older actors, that was pretty amazing. I got to say. Oh, and Phil Brown. He was at that one, too. So for me, that was amazing, meeting the older Owen, obviously. Uh-huh. Like, that's really that's really special. I'm glad I got to meet him. Well, I, I will say, Kenny is definitely missed. And he was my birthday yeah. buddy. Because today, because yeah. today, as we're recording. Yep. Um, it, we're recording on August 24th. It's your birthday, right? It's my birthday. And I, birthday. I shared it with Kenny Baker. Oh, wow. So the, the happy birthday to you and Kenny. Thank you. Wherever he when, is. When I met him at Celebration 6, which he was there for that, I think that was one of his last, I think that was his last celebration. Uh, the day I met him, got the autograph, was on my birthday. Wow. Wow. So, that's really cool. So that, that was, that was awesome. That's, that's my memory of Kenny was yeah, that's, being wow, able that's to, really to meet him and say, you know, happy, happy birthday, birthday to him and, and elaborate that, it was, that we were birthday twins, different year, born same day, different years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That's awesome. That's that, was, that was pretty cool. That's so awesome. happy birthday. Thank you. So um, as the conventions went on, did the things get easier for you or did it still get kind of overwhelming uh, as you go conventions? <laughs> I think I think a little less overwhelming because that first one really, you know, that, that was, that was a shock. <laughs> it was also right before the movie came out, so there was a lot of anticipation and hype, and everyone was just so excited. I didn't know how big my role was going to be, you know, how much of it would actually end up in right. the film. Um, so that was for sure the biggest. Um, and from there, I feel like I actually got more quality time with the fans. So at other conventions that were a little smaller, I could actually, you know, talk to them, and it wasn't as crazy. 
I would say the Star Wars weekends was the other one that was a little overwhelming in a good way, but it was like, oh my goodness, I'm on a float now, waving. <laughs> I kind of felt like the queen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how, only because I've never asked this of anyone, how was Star Wars, the way um, you're chauffeured around or shuffled around, how is it different from Celebration to Star Wars weekends? Um, I mean, I've been to a number of celebrations now and they're very well organized. And so was Star Wars weekends. I would just say, um, obviously when you're in Disney world, it's a whole different experience. And, um, I mean, there's, there's costumes in both obviously, but I would say Disney world was kind of more colorful, but I mean, both were very well organized. So you get kind of really well taken care of. I love the celebrations as well. I'd love to go back and do another one soon, hoping for 2019. Okay. So the last celebration you were at was? I think it was 2014, if I'm remembering right, in Anaheim. Okay, 2015. Yeah. 2015, was it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So okay. that was the last win, too. So I think I'm due. I think I could come to another one sometime soon. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully after Chicago, they either go back to... And- Rumors we've been hearing is they were supposed to bounce between Anaheim, Orlando, or make right. or make Orlando the semi permanent home with D twenty three being the semi permanent home there in right. California. I would love to see you come back out this way. I'd love to as well. Yeah, fingers crossed. Maybe maybe next year is part of uh, Galaxy's Edge opening. I love oh, that. Yeah. There we go. Make that pitch now. There you go. Wait, also, I mean, I'm sure you guys were going to bring this up, but I am hoping that they bring Aunt Beru back. I'm, I'm really, you know, fingers crossed. So I, <laughs> if I was that gonna, happens, there'll be another little circuit. I was going to ask that because I remember seeing on Twitter that you said you would love to come back and you highlighted something about a, a spinoff series. Well, I mean, everything that I've heard is just rumors. I'm sure same as you guys. But um, I'm just hoping for some kind of a... Oh, are you talking about the, the Jennifer Lawrence thing that they talked about? Um, because there's the potential for an Obi-Wan spinoff, right? Where right, they could bring right, yeah. Drew back. Yeah. But then there was a rumor with some fake press, I think, that said that Jennifer Lawrence was going to play Aunt Beru in Aunt Beru the movie. And I saw that. <laughs> they did like a, like a fake poster and my heart sunk. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do that. And I love Jennifer Lawrence. You know, that's that's great. Sure, yeah, but, but... hang on, what about me? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I... there there was also uh, there's also been a rumor that they might do some kind of series on Tatooine for like the streaming service they're doing. Oh, that's the first I've so, heard of it. Yeah, it's just a rumor, but yeah, it, it was. When you or, say streaming service, so like like a TV series type thing, or yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah, um, yeah. Be d- Disney's new streaming service for next year. Cool. It, it, it's same as running the Star Wars, the John Favreau series. Okay, see, you you know way more than I do. But... Oh yeah, it's kind of our business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But in any case, you know, fingers crossed. I'd love to come back. Do you do you th- since you brought up the Kenobi um, spinoff rumors? Do you think timing wise, with years past, that this is the ideal time for it, or do you think it needs to wait maybe a few more years to get y'all a little possibly a little a little, cl- a little closer to? Yeah, um, I don't think that that's my place to say. I, I wouldn't want to. I- because I think the fans have so many ideas of what's right. And I just hope that it's done in a way that the fans are really happy. So if that means waiting another few years, absolutely. Um, but I'm anxious to get back in there and have it happen. So selfishly, I'm like, come on, hurry up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, hopefully if either of those happen, they will remember you and bring you back in if they have hopefully, any. Hopefully that would they... be it would be upsetting if someone else came in and played Baru, but you know, whatever yeah, they would. need, whatever they need to do. Well, luckily you um, played Baru and the time frame you have is right when they're making movies now anyway. Solo and Rogue One were both right there in the middle between episodes three and four. Yeah, yep. exactly. So I think I think there's a good chance and it, it could be a good time to do it soon. Um, and especially, obviously, Ewan McGregor is Ewan McGregor. He has a great career and Joel too. I mean, his career's really taken off and I don't know how big a part Owen and Baru would be because they're not exactly action-packed, but you never know. They could be <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> sure. I hope, I'm sure. I hope get some action. Well, there's some well, action on the Tatooine. You got to fight Tusken Raiders and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, here, here's, here's a pitch. Especially if if go ahead. No, go ahead, Derek. Especially if they do. If you're in the Obi One movie, you would assume he'd be watching over Luke. So yeah, you would have to be in that one. 
Yep, exactly. So I'm hoping for some scene with, you know, or a bunch of scenes with young Luke and protecting him or whatever. I think that would be cool. I mean, it's really meaningful, you know, talking about it in this way, it gets me to see the, I guess I'll say depth, to use your word, to use the depth of being involved in something like this. And, um, you know, Luke Skywalker, I mean, I get to say I raised him. That's, <laughs> that's <it. laughs> Well, on that note, have you ever actually met Mark Hamill? Yes, I met him once um, at a celebration and it was very much in passing. I went up and I was like, hi, I'm your aunt, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and we took a photo together and he was like, oh, fantastic. I love it. You know, and then he moved on. Have you ever met the older version of Amber? No. You know what? She passed away when we were filming, when we were in Tunisia for episode oh, two. Mm. Wow. How's that for timing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just missed meeting her, which is why it was really meaningful that I did get to meet Phil Brown. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, cool. definitely. Uh, here, here's my pitch. I say for the Di- Disney streaming service, it be a Kevin Smith directed project. And it's about the Lars homestead with Baru and Owen raising a young preteen Luke Skywalker. Yes, totally. <laughs> I, I would hope for that. I think preteen Luke would be great. That kind of show life on the farm. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because, I mean, you'd want to show a big difference between Mark Hamill's Luke as well, you know. And then have Luke as a child. Yeah, you, you, we could see him blasting the the Womp Rats. We could see him with Biggs and with the other characters from from yeah. the apartment uh, yeah. deleted scene. Absolutely. Um, see yeah. him meeting. Like, see him, on Tatooine. You and McGregor do some cameos in that meeting. Yeah. You know, as Luke meets young Obi Wan. Yeah. And, and we could see Baru and Owen getting on to Obi Wan going. We need you to just back off since since we've been seeing it play out in the the comic books, in the the new comics. So there we go. Totally. Yeah, that could be interesting. There's there's my pitch. I like your pitch. That's awesome. It's something that could work. It's something I know I would be interested in seeing. Yeah. Cool. Well, it'd be a nice, a nice little family show, and right, yeah, totally. It, it, it could almost be the Heartland of the Star Wars universe. And I only nice. say that because my wife and daughter watch Heartland. So, yeah, nice. <laughs> That's the only reason why I know. I this love show. it. I think it could be good vibes, you know. Tatooine and the Lars Homestead, it just has such a nice kind of home yeah. feel. Yeah. Totally. yeah, very much so. Love it. That would be very interesting. We haven't seen. We haven't seen something like that in the Star Wars universe. I don't think right. I don't think we've seen something like that just in general on a lot of shows. Or if it mm-hmm. is, it's so far hidden that something mm-hmm. like this could help bring some of those other style shows to the forefront yeah, as well. Great idea. There you I go. love it. You could try to take it back a little farther and um, have flashbacks of Shmi with Klieg there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I think we're on to something. I here. love it, you guys. Keep, <laughs> keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> what we'll to I, I just want, I'd love to have a scene with Blue Milk because I didn't get any of that. Um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> the blue milk's close to my heart, and I didn't get to interact in that way. <laughs> well, just well, we've now all seen where the green milk comes from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so would you try the blue milk? Sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, I'd have to, right? I suppose. Yeah. I couldn't turn that down. Well, no, when we were kids, they had, um, who was it? Nestle that makes quick actually had yeah. a blueberry version that was actually blue milk. Yeah. It was blue. Yeah. Oh, At a yeah. convention, actually, someone brought me some, some blue milk once. And now um, in the health communities, like raw food and everything, there actually is blue milk. At the fancy uh, kind of raw supermarkets and stuff, there's like um, <laughs> almond milk with, I think, some kind of algae that's bright blue. So, oh, wow. yeah. oh, that, that sounds delicious. I see. The only way I was able to do it was a drop of blue food coloring yeah, in my yeah. glass and stir up. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. So, so going back to the conventions, have you run into any uh, Baru cosplayers? I have a number of them, actually. Oh, wow. um, nice. Especially in 2012 at the Orlando celebration, there were a whole lot of them. Yeah, yeah, there were. I was so excited. Oh, nice. I, wow. was just, I was taking a lot of photos. Like, yes. <laughs> <But> <laughs> finally, yeah, they were great. Yeah, that's, that's what. That's another when... little thrill. That's when Kenny yeah. was there. Well, it yeah. was Celebration 6. Yeah. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, there were I a lot of... seeing other brews. There were a lot of brews. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's weird how... Each convention, there there's one one standout character really? that tends to pop out for like this year or last year at Celebration. One of the big ones was Doctor Afra, which is the character from the comics. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that was real, real big is there was a lot of Sabine uh, from Rebels as yeah. well. So, I mean, there, there was quite right, a bit. Right, it kind of goes in waves. Yeah. I think probably what mm-hmm. happened before that 2012 one was that no one had dressed up as Beru and Owen. Like, when I spoke to fans over the years, they were like, no, yeah, I haven't seen, someone needs to dress up as Beru. So then it kind of just took off that year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have seen over the years, you know, people have sent me photos of different parties that they went to where they dressed up as Beru and things. So <laughs> that was fun. So I just had another thought to add on to your plot idea, Mike. All right. Um, if you're going to do come back as on Peru for this show we're talking about, what, what what would your thoughts be on maybe doing a little work on the soundtrack as well? Oh, Ooh. I'd love to. I would love to, obviously. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. You know, I guess Star Wars, it's very much, you know, orchestral and very mm. kind of yeah. composed music, which I do a little bit of. Um, more what I do is I collaborate with composers. So they'll come up with the orchestral things and then I come up with the melodies and the vocals and the, like the themes throughout. So maybe I could collaborate with someone. That would be really cool. Yeah, but it'd be, Look, it'd be cool too to hear some vocal tracks played during it since we don't get that yeah. much in Star Wars yeah. itself. Right, and since so, this would be a, sh- a more of a different show, you could do a slightly different soundtrack. A different yeah. 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 That's so a great idea. We, we get some some of Bonnie's vocal tracks over you know over the music mm-hmm. on Lars Homestead. Yeah, and what I love to do is vocals that kind of blend in with the instruments anyway. Yeah. Like, of course, there's like oh, lead yeah. vocal, but then there's there's vocal where you, you use it as an instrument and it's kind of right. complementing what's going on. So it's just like flavors and touches of it. So that yeah, I love that. Very similar to what they have done with vocal music in the uh, movies so far. Yeah. Because yeah. Williams used choirs all yeah. the way back to prequels. Yeah. And all right, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like with Dual Fates. But I but I'm talking like actual songs. Uh, again, I'm gonna yeah. go back to Heartland. You know, yeah, the theme I mean, song and even off and on during the show, you would hear an actual song. A song, yeah, which hasn't been done in Star Wars. So that would be a big stylistic choice, obviously, but... It could work. Man, See, yeah, I, if I could be involved in any of that, that would be fantastic. I, you could I, even use that um, in in world music, like in like the cantina, the cantina band's playing, you have some of your stuff playing in the background for something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. In world music. Here, here's what we need to do. Twitter and Instagram campaign. Hashtag... <laughs> Lars Homestead series. Please. Would you guys please? <laughs> Let, let's get that started now. I can't now. start it myself. You know, it's better if you do. Oh, we'll, we'll start it. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. We'll be hashtag Disney streaming service, hashtag Lars Homestead series. Yes. There we go. Let's do it. Let's make now a push. I like this. I'm ready. <laughs> so, um... Just gone blank. There it is. There it goes. Um, Lars so Homestead have- Twitter campaign. <laughs> Sucks getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I've been forgetting things for years anyway. I don't know if it's always an old thing. <laughs> What's been one of your favorite um, convention moments that you've had? Um, or or Star Wars weekend moment? Either yeah, or. I was going to say Star Wars weekend. There's something so kind of funny about the like the float driving along on the car waving to the fans, but it really was fun. And you know they had the music, and I was driving past just all these fans, like one after the other, dressed up in all these amazing costumes, and that was just really memorable. It was kind of the most spectacular thing that I've seen <laughs> at a convention. So I'd have to say that. And then just getting to meet the other actors, like well, even that moment that I got to meet. Mark Hamill. That was pretty cool. What's been one of your most memorable fan interaction moments? Um, you know, I would say <laughs> meeting some babies called Luke at conventions and having the parents <laughs> hand me the babies and say, "We need to get a photo of you and Luke." <laughs> <laughs> and they even hated uh, the baby Luke because this happened a few times. They'd say, "You know, see Luke, this is your aunt Baru." You know. <laughs> uh, and you just want to do that smile and nod. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to to celebrate that. I think it's really cool. Well, that's yeah, cool. that's fun. Was now on the other. Let's go the other way. What's been one of your scariest or or creepiest fan moments? 
creepiest um this is like just it, it turned out to be nothing but there was one guy at a convention in mexico who just had a weird look you know i got a bad vibe i was like <laughs> i don't know i'm not sure about this um but then he came up to the table and he and he was fine so you know he had a look and then it was gone and he was a nice friendly fan so, <laughs> really and oh there, there was one guy in australia that started calling me names that wasn't nice they they got him kicked out of a out of the convention but really I, yeah, and I don't think he was actually even a specific Star Wars fan. He was just someone there, and he kind of took it upon himself to go and yell at all the women actors. So, you know, that's all right. Uh, he deserves Ridiculous. to be kicked out. Yeah. He got kicked out. <laughs> but really, like, for the most part, they've all, I mean, every single Star Wars fan that I've met has been really friendly and, and kind and been a good experience. Good. Now, I know Disney has used some of the original actors to do the voices for Forces of Destiny. Did you mm -hmm. ever get approached about possibly coming to voice um, a potential Bruce segment? No, I didn't. Um, I know they again, haven't. Again, crossed, I hope something like that comes about. I know they haven't used Baru yet, but mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some sort of adventure there with Baru. Yeah, I feel like, oh. you know, all in good time, there's going to be some way that I'll come back as Baru. I've got a good feeling about it. Fingers crossed. Whether it's, um, you know, a TV show or a film or just a little cameo role again or whatever it is, it'll be cool. Uh, it's a good time. There's plenty, there's, uh, plenty of possibilities right now. Yeah, which yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, it's really exciting. Well, it's a little off of Star Wars, but back to um, we know your first role. You had to do the trapeze and the web work and some action in there. Have you yeah. had to do any other action in any of your work that you've had that you've done? Oh, good question. Um, we just took the chance to be able to do it. Um, not really. That was the most um action, the the closest to stunts that I've ever had. Um, I mean, like I've had some running scenes where you're just like running and running and running, which <laughs> when you do that take after take, that's kind of tiring um yeah. but definitely the trapeze was the most the most kind of active and gymnastic or anything that i've done but i'd love to do something else that's that's more i don't know that i want to do my own like actual stunts but i'd like to do another role that's um you know physical like that cool so have you so kept was, up did, with gymnastics and diving or anything what's that have you kept up with the gymnastics and diving or any of that no i mean i do yoga that's the closest thing now but um i haven't dived in years i'd love to try again at some point i i still like can do a few flips if you get me you know on a field or whatever i can flip around a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yoga is the closest thing right now now outside of high flyers which was your first show and of course two star wars films what's been um one of your favorite projects since um, I mean, there was one TV show in Australia where I got to play a real psycho, like a stalker. Uh -huh. And and that was really fun. <laughs> Just, um, <laughs> you know, getting to act really weird. And it, it was kind of a comedy. So it was it was a funny situation. So like comedy, actually, I really liked. And I, I did a short film actually in New York City in 2011 called Like Ingrid Bergman. Um, and that was really fun. Same thing, kind of getting to play a little kooky and um, a little weird. I I like those roles. It's now, fun. And comedy is fun. What, what was the TV show? It's called Last Man Standing. Okay. I think there's an American version or an American show named Last Man Standing or yeah. something yeah. too. But, yeah. but this was an Australian one. So, yeah, I, I'd actually love to do more comedy because, like I said, I haven't really actively pursued acting in L.A. I just it's a whole scene that I didn't really want to go too crazy about. But um, I am feeling the call to do more acting. So I'm sure I will be and hoping for some comedy. That'll be really good. OK, now back to the music um, coming to to the States um, after the, the crash. Have you found it difficult to to, to get out there? on the indie side of things or has it been easier as opposed to being um, tied down with a record company? I mean, yeah, there's been good things and bad things. Um, right now I'm extremely excited to be an independent artist. I really feel like it's the way to go because there's a lot, a lot that I need to build to really get it to be successful, but I'm really excited to build online marketing and, and really connect with my fans and have more engagement where I feel like with the major labels, the artists feel a little removed from the fans. So there's something about being an independent artist that I really like. You you have that active participation with your fans. And, um, you know, I, I did tour on the college circuit for a while as well in mm -hmm. 2013. That was really fun. Um, and I think if I was with a label, I don't know that they would have supported that. But I just went around and played a lot of shows. And I think, you know, 
more than playing live now I'm just excited about recording and finding ways to market it online and finding my fans that way so the the band you're with with um Ben Shaw yeah how'd you guys come up decide on the name Corsican <laughs> so okay so we were trying to come up with a name for months and we were throwing out ideas like you know lists and lists of of possible ideas and one day I was going through the thesaurus and see I say Coruscant that for for our band but I know you meant to say Coruscant at least according to the thesaurus that's what you meant to say it uh, um so but anyway one day Coruscant came up on the thesaurus as like the word of the day and I didn't remember that that was the location of the Jedi Temple. I should have, obviously. But, you know, it, <laughs> it probably seemed familiar to me. So I was like, oh, I like that. But I just liked the, the sound of the word. And it, it said, you know, it meant to sparkle, to glimmer. So I sent Ben a list of names with that in there. And I was kind of hoping he'd choose that. And he didn't say anything about it. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. Let's keep looking. And then a couple of days later, he said, what about Coruscant? And again, I'm calling it Coruscant because that's how we pronounce it for our band. I, um, I, I think I did mispronounce it because well, I think it's I, Coruscant. I, in the, I said, now that I'm saying <laughs> Coruscant, I can't, I can't say it the other way. I think it's meant to be Coruscant, maybe. See, I, in you guys uh, know? movies, it's Coruscant. Yeah. They do say it like that? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Ah, okay, perfect. That's great. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, a few days later, Ben said, Hey, what about, what about Coruscant? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the one. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> so he <laughs> thought he came up with it himself. And then we still, I mean, again, I should have remembered, but we didn't remember that it was the location of the Jedi temple until later. And then that came about and I was like, Oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> like it's meant to be. <laughs> So, so it was all subliminal. Yes, I think it was. It was somewhere <laughs> in my brain, and I recognized it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he yeah. recognized it. And... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it all worked out perfectly. <laughs> it did. It did. And I love that the Star Wars fans are excited about it. So that's fun. Maybe we'll perform at a convention at some point. Oh, yeah. There you go. That would be cool. Yeah. Are you doing any? Um, I know you're recording now, but are you planning on doing some more touring and stuff live? I mean, I don't know if I'll do a tour unless it really makes sense, but I'm sure I'll do a couple of shows in L.A. and maybe at conventions as well. Um, I mean, I like touring, but, it you know, it's tiring. You have to love it. Mm. You're on the road the whole time. Um, and I just I love the art of recording music so much that that's more what I want to keep getting stuck into. But do, you never know. Do you have a favorite studio in L.A. that you like going to? I mean, right now I just do everything at home, which is okay. what's so amazing about being an independent musician. Um, I literally just come up with everything on my laptop with my MIDI keyboard. And then I have someone in New York who puts on different sounds, like he plays bass and strings and I'll send him tracks and he'll send something back. And that's pretty oh, much nice. how I now. Be being an audio engineer myself, uh, what's your your DAW of choice or uh, recording program of choice that you Logic. use? Okay. I use Logic, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people have suggested Pro Tools, but I've been using Logic for a while, so um, I know how it works. It's easy for me. There, there's absolutely nothing wrong with Logic. Yeah, um, it's really easy. It's very kind of intuitive, yeah, I, easy to figure out. Before Apple bought Logic, I used to run Logic on my on my PC. And oh, yeah. Now, uh, like recording here, I'm using Studio One from Personas. Okay, yeah. Which, which I hear even on the Mac side for, for music stuff, is a very great, strong program. Okay, cool. Yeah. But uh, Logic's very cool. Yeah, for now, Logic is simple enough, and I can do everything I need to do. So I'm happy with that. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love I, that, you know, I can just, in my own home, make music and send it to someone in New York, and then he sends some back. And, <laughs> you know, it's very self-produced. Like, in the future, I may work with other producers in studios again, but for now, it's really a fun thing as an artist to be able to come up with my own stuff and even even sell it from my computer and try to reach right. my fans just all from my laptop yeah it's great that there's a lot more opportunities these days with doing all that than there used to be yeah. exactly and that's where i feel like really being an independent artist right now is so exciting and mm. such a great time i mean everything is at our fingertips you just have to be creative and you have to you know you have to put yourself out there one thing is 
gone are the days where you can be like a mysterious musician where you just like have one cover photo and people don't really know who you are. You know, you need to be (laughs) showing up on social media and, and, you know, showing a selfie and like people want to see who you are, which um, you have to want to do that. But I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And then you get to own your own life as well. You know, back in the day of you kind of signed your life away to record deals and I have no interest in that anymore. (laughs) I'd rather, (laughs) rather own it all know my fans directly i can see that yeah definitely yeah but yeah film and tv i mean i always want to be able to get music and film and tv because that's a great way it's kind of it's almost like the new radio for indie artists as well if you can get placements it gets your music to a lot of people oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good point because i've even done you know been watching something and be like oh i like that song and you look it up yeah. and you find what it is and exactly. who the artist is and Exactly. See, I, I almost wish there were more mainstream shows, mainstream-ish shows, as um, I remember back when the FX network first started, they had a music show every night around 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that's where I first got exposed to uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would love to see more more of that to highlight the independent artists. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Well that's what I'm saying with things like Spotify is now. Yeah, have, it is. Yeah. Playlist, exactly. I have a bunch of um indie um musician friends around um the Cleveland and Ohio area. They um all their stuff's on Spotify. So it's like if you find one of them, all of a sudden you find everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and see that's what's exciting because I'm learning about um like niches, you know, I've had to learn how to put myself in a certain box to say what my music sounds like so that I can find other artists that sound like me that I can kind of tap into their um, like not necessarily their fan base but tap into that world so I know how to find the people who like that kind of music Um, and yeah playlists and Spotify and everything for sure that's that serves a good purpose with that with the music who what's been one of the the best um, like out of the blue interactions that you you've had where someone said, I love your stuff, possibly want to do something with you. Um, I mean, the best opportunity that I've had that was just such a great experience was working with the composer Mark Killian um, for a film that didn't come out, but I I think the soundtrack may still come out. And then I worked with him on one called Expecting with um, Ryder Mitchell. So that was kind of serendipitous. I met him through friends um, and it was just such a good fit. And I just would love to work with him more. So, you know, meeting different composers and finding those collaborations that work really well. Now, outside of Joel, I think you said you still keep in touch with him some. Is there anyone else um, from Attack of the Clones or or Revenge of the Sith that that you stay in contact with? Yeah, so General um, Ahmed Best. I haven't seen him in a few years, actually, but I have stayed in touch with him. Um, So Zsa Zsa, who I know he's had a rough run with the fan backlash and everything, but he's an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. And I personally love Zsa Um And then... Um, cartoon series helped that character a lot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, just on the convention circuit, I've spent a lot of time with Daniel Logan and Ray Park, and they're two great people. <laughs> I so, love Ray Park. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. And Daniel kind of just feels like a brother to me. Nice. I've seen him at so many conventions that it's like, hey! <laughs> hey, yeah, and you know, now, spent so much time together. Now that he's become a dad, have you seen him kind of come down to earth some or is he still kind of I haven't out seen there? him since he became a dad I've just seen that happen on um, on Instagram you know <laughs> I see right. <laughs> I see all of that so I need to see him um, but I'm sure it's changed it's changed his life absolutely I'd love to see him again soon yeah we're, we're trying to get him on the show um, right or someone else I was thinking of. We, we've been trying to I think Ray we've been I've been trying to pursue obviously we'd love to have anyone and everyone we could get um, yeah but definitely you know love being a an avenue and just storytell you know, with yeah. the podcast you know, when we have guests on um yeah. i can't think of anything else at the moment <laughs> I, i'm i'm hearing other stuff here on my end that's got me got me distracted <laughs> i can't see any of you now hang on oh that's all right as long as you can still hear me oh yeah, yeah you're still coming in loud, loud and clear oh good well, this is fun. I love podcasts. They're just a great a great avenue for people to connect and, and yeah. share things, and they're really fun to listen to, too. Well, yeah. I think even with uh, – last, last I heard, there's over 300 different Star Wars podcasts. Wow. And, and, and each one of us, you know, it's our own different spins and takes – 
yeah. on, on the news and topics. And because um, when we we don't have a guest like yourself, you know, we tend to be um, news you discussion. Just talk about stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, here's, yeah. The, here's the topics this week. Read a little bit. Put our spin on it. And then. Totally. But I think our, our strong point usually is. is as guests and you now we, yeah. we love just hearing the stories um yeah and being able to just sit and chat and then i, I think the couple times you know we've gone out to a show convention and we see you guys in person it's like mm-hmm. yeah just the internet you know the interaction we have with you guys afterwards is so awesome yeah but, it's really a cool thing i think that's one of the best things about the star wars universe is that that community and and meeting all the people it's yeah what an amazing thing all around the world oh yeah well uh, it's for the three of us, it's definitely a special place because we, we grew up with it. Right. Um, I know for me, for sure, I was there when the first film came out in the theaters. Oh, yeah. And, and saw it at a drive-in movie theater. It was a wow. double feature. That's so cool. It was Star Wars followed by Star Wars. So Wow. See, that's amazing when that's you've got that history. Yeah. Because that's where it's really meaningful, right? And then having yeah. a... Having a currently eight-year-old daughter, yeah, and you get to and, share it with her. I've been sharing it with her. It's and her love for it is absolutely, right. and you can kind fun of relive it and, and connect yeah. with her about that too. Yeah, see, well, that's amazing. It, it was cool with um, before Force Awakens came out. We started watching the the movies and the original trilogy. Um, I showed her the versions that I grew up with, the untouched, because I had the the DVDs with the whereas the bonus feature, the bonus disc was the untouched, right? And, um, and of course, she's seen the the special editions on TBS, TNT, and she's like, "Daddy, these are so weird." I'm like, "Yeah, but this is what it is now." She goes, "Why didn't I see these first? I said, "Because you need to see it how I saw it, so you can understand why." Yeah, oh, I loved it. Did that, um, but the day she was born. Uh, she was born on a Friday, and she actually has a episode of The Clone Wars that aired on her on her day of birth. Oh. Anyway, so wow. she never had a chance. Oh, but that's just, awesome. But just to see her um, and her first celebration was Celebration 6. Wow. And uh, I'll, have, I'll send you a, copy, uh, a link to the picture from my Facebook. Please, yeah. Uh, here she is, her double pigtails, and her face is just yeah. wide open. And, and I captioned it, Wow. This is Star Wars. Because she was just so... See, that's amazing. I love that all the different generations can share it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a great that's thing. That's so cool. Yeah. That, that, that's the fun part. So, yeah. I mean, my dad introduced me to it uh, or yeah. introduced the family to it. Right. Even right. though so then it's a meaningful thing in your family. Even though my dad was more Star Trek and in Doctor Who, I mean, he enjoyed Star Wars as well. And you know, because of him, I, I have a love of the original Star Trek series and... Mm-hmm. No, I do have a great appreciation for that franchise. Um, but to be able to pass it down on my own, I, I get where he came from. And it's, and now with, with her, it's like, so what's your favorite movies? Uh, I think she still ranks Rogue One first, Force Awakens yeah. second. Yeah. Uh, and I think she's split between Last Jedi and Solo. Awesome. And then, <laughs> Which, of course, are, are her films. Yeah. Right. Those are the ones that she's seen in the theater. Right. Um, but, you know, she's got her favorite. Uh, I think she says she likes Empire from the original trilogy. And I don't remember yep. what she. I don't think she's ever decided what was her favorite from the prequels. Now I got a quiz. <laughs> what was your favorite from the prequels? See what she says. See, that's really cool. That's but, that's so great that you can share it with her. Yeah. And I see that a lot at conventions, you know, the generations. I mean. Yeah, like the families. Yeah. And, and it's great because they can all really share that and connect over that. Mm. What's been one of your up, you know. What's been one of your biggest takeaways uh, from being a part of the Star Wars universe? You know, I think just as time goes on, I I would say the takeaway of being more grateful, like more and more grateful to be a part of this. When I see what it means to people and how much it's affected their lives, and they carry the whole Star Wars universe with them in their lives, and just to think that I was able to be a little piece of that, um, that just gets more and more cool as the time goes on. Well, I, I guess to, to follow up to that, then how has it affected your life? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there have been many opportunities, um, even with music, different doors that opened just because people were Star Wars fans. Um, and then same thing. I mean, it's a really cool thing to connect with people on. Like, I, I don't go around saying, yeah, I played Baru in Star Wars at all. So like, <laughs> there, are, there are people in my life who don't know that I did that. Um, but then until they, you know, maybe see it on my website or whatever. But when you start talking about that, it's a really cool thing to connect with people about. And, you know, sometimes I will have known people for years and then they realize that I was a part of that and they'll share with me what Star Wars means to them. And it's kind of this whole other connection. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I would say the main thing is it's open doors, of course, and just the, the connections with people. Do you have a souvenir that you kept from your time on set? No, I mean, the only thing that I kept <laughs> from episode three, because I couldn't like take any of my clothes or anything but um they left they had some fake hair which they put in because my hair was a little darker and in episode three they put kind of like blonde streaks across the front <laughs> um so i walked out of set with that still in my hair so i still, I still have that <laughs> that's the only thing i was able to take from set <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty unique. <laughs> right? It's kind of weird, but, you know, that's the only thing I have. It, it's in loose sight now. <laughs> huh? It's in loose sight now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you probably you probably walked away with some sand in your shoes or something, too. Right, and... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was the, something that you wanted to, if, if there was something, that one something they said, you know, give you the opportunity to to own it what would you have taken or or what would you i mean i think obviously baru doesn't have a lightsaber but i'd love to to take away a lightsaber <laughs> if that was possible like one that was actually used in the films that'd be cool okay. well, that we could, would be cool we could, pose, we could pose this question then if baru was a jedi what color lightsaber would she have yeah, I've thought about this. I think purple. Mm. <laughs> Just so. But I, take I like it. Um, but, but definitely, I think she's on the light side. So I like purple. I like it. Cool. <laughs> take, so, that. Uh, take that, Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you have um, any conventions or anything you have scheduled coming up at all? I don't right now. That's why I'm kind of hoping for celebration next year. Um, it's been a bit of a, um, a non-convention time right now, but I'd, I'd love to come and do some more soon. But yeah, nothing scheduled. Well, when when we get that show going that we were talking about, then you can start doing the conventions again. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> if not, we'll have but to yeah, try. We'll have to try and get her at our local conventions. Yeah, so, please. I yeah, love that. Because sure. I think MegaCon here in Orlando would be great. Austin Comic Con would be awesome. Uh, you, yep. You've got a bunch up in your area, in the Cleveland area, Ken. That oh, yeah, five or six shows that happen in Cleveland. Totally, yeah. I'd love to. Then of course we need to figure out how how we push Disney to bring Bonnie and a bunch of other Star Wars actors for the opening of Galaxy's Edge. We try and do a Wookiee Radio meetup and get, and get Bonnie to join us. I'm in. That'd Thumbs cool. up. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be. That'd be fun. Totally. You guys can rally for me and then I'll just, I'll see you there. We, we will do that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you actually kept up with some of the Star Wars with the um, Clone Wars and with uh, Rebels and everything else coming out at all? I haven't actually. I need to. I need to catch up with that. I know there's a lot going on. It's exciting. There's all yeah. these different things. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot now. <laughs> I know. I need to catch up. You guys know so much more than I do. <laughs> I'm like need to keep up with well, all the trivia and stuff. Actually, well, like I, I said, it's our job. <laughs> it it is totally. But sometimes at conventions they'll put me in like trivia situations and I'm not the best. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I need to remember the names better. I, I forgot this question. What was it like seeing yourself as an action figure for the first time? Oh, that was so cool. That was that was awesome. Someone at a convention brought brought me one because I didn't know that I had one. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And huh. he came and put one in front of me. I was like, oh, my goodness, I've got an action figure. That's so cool. Because <laughs> um, they didn't do the, the whole body scan for me because I know Joel did that and everything where they, they made the, the figures very accurate to your proportions or whatever. So mine, actually, the arms on mine are a little bit long, to be honest. It's a bit funny looking. <laughs> I'm excited that I have one. So you, you only have one half those what's that would you have mike i was gonna say you only have one. Oh, myself like i have i have a few but they're not like there's not that many of them i couldn't find a whole bunch of them in stores or anything but limited edition 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's when you get Hasbro to bring out the um, Black Series six inch two pack of Owen and Brew. That would be cool. Yeah, totally. With a and little baby, baby baby Luke accessory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. And then maybe. I have a couple of um of the older Brew ones as well, so that's cool. Yeah. You could do the two pack with the baby Luke, but um, have them on the um, they have those action packs now or whatever the diorama type set, but have it where it's like the sunset in the background. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Totally. And then of course there's the the fake action figure of um, Owen and Baru fried to a crisp, which that yeah. was oh. really sad. I wasn't yeah. too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an official thing, but someone had fun, I guess. It, it, no, it goes right. That. It goes right there with dead Ewok. Oh yeah. It's just just the ball of fur. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the ones they have um, where it's the action figure of the force, just an empty bubble. See, that's oh, my, oh, really? That one's my favorite. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> that one's my favorite. That's that, awesome. That one I would pay a few bucks to have just to put on the wall. Yeah, actually, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I will say I'm grateful to have an action figure. I know that doesn't happen every day, and I'm lucky to have that. That would be kind of cool. Outside of the action figure, has there been any other Baru merchandise that you were actually surprised to have seen? No, I mean, all I've seen is trading cards and then like books that have Baru in it. I haven't seen any other merchandise, but the trading cards were kind of cool too. So mm. you, you know you've made it when you have an action figure and a tops trading card. There you go. Well, I guess I've made it. <laughs> There you go. Because the only other way a lot of times you get on the top trading card is if you're an athlete. Right. That's true. So, there you go. That's very cool. I love well, it. Where can, where can people find you online? Yeah. So on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash Bonnie Peace, which I know it's weird spelling. So it's B-O-N-N-I-E-P-I-E-S-S-E. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm at Bonnie M. Peace. Um, Twitter, I'm Bonnie Peace as well. Yeah. I'm kind of all over. And music on Spotify? Yep, I'm up there as well, iTunes. Um, what I will be doing is setting up more of a store. Well, I don't have a store on my website right now, so I'll be selling music and stuff there. Um, but for right now, it's all over the normal channels too. And, of course, your website is bonniepeace.com yep. as well. Check it out. Yep. It, it's a, Check it out. I, I, I love going to your website. It, it's very You do? I do. Um, I, I love I love the picture that you have on the homepage right now. Thank you. I uh, like it too. It's it, got it, a little kind of Star Wars vibe in it. A little bit of you know the yeah, force. Yeah, yeah. It's very tw to me. It's a very tranquil pick. Yeah, yeah. So. Totally. So th there's going to be lots more happening on my website in the near future with um, probably blogs and different things for sale oh, too. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. This was so fun. What a great thing to do on a Friday night. Yeah, and, yeah, and we had fun too. Definitely. Yay. Once Lars Homestead comes about, or <laughs> any other yeah. time you want to come back, feel free to join us. Awesome! I'd love to. This was fun, you guys. So, Thank you. I'm Definitely let us know when your um your album is ready to drop. I will. Yeah. Yay! I totally will. So we will we will definitely help pitch all that as well. Thank you so much. So well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, until next time. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull out! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>